sound familiar? If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little, I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. When a mom is told in those early postpartum days that her little one is going to need supplementation, so many questions may run through her mind. Am I making enough milk? What can I supplement with? And how long do I have to do this for? Today, I'm thrilled to welcome a new expert to our show. Her name is Elizabeth Myler, and she is a registered nurse and an international board-certified lactation consultant with Mahala Lactation and Perinatal Services in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Today, we are discussing exclusive breastfeeding after early supplementation. This is The Boob Group, episode 95. Breast milk, it does a baby good. Silly daddy, boobs are for babies. I make milk, what's your superpower? If my breastfeeding offends you, put a blanket over your head. Dairy diva, don't be lactose intolerant. Nursing nature's own breast enhancement. Meals on heels. Whoever said there's no use crying over spilled milk, never had to pump. Breast milk, all udders are inferior. Whatever your point of view, we're here to support your breastfeeding goals. We're the boob group, because mothers know breast. Welcome to The Boob Group, broadcasting from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. The Boob Group is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for all things related to breastfeeding. I'm your host, Robin Kaplan. I'm also an international board-certified lactation consultant and owner of the San Diego Breastfeeding Center. Did you know that you can find over 90 free episodes of The Boob Group on our website? Our topics range from treating sore nipples to tricks when breastfeeding in public to breastfeeding newborns, infants, and toddlers. You can also find wonderfully written blog articles by our team of mommy bloggers. Don't miss out on all of these breastfeeding resources and make sure to check out our website, which is theboobgroup.com. Make sure to check that out today. So today we are joined by three lovely panelists in the studio. Ladies, will you please introduce yourselves? Um, yes, my name is Cindy, and I'm 34, and I'm a speech therapist. Um, I have one little boy who is seven months, and his name is Clark. Hi, I'm Sarah. I'm an attorney. I'm 31, and I have uh, my first daughter. Her name is Violet, and she will be six months tomorrow. Awesome. Hey, my name is Kara. I'm 24, and I'm a stay-at-home mom, and I have one little boy, and he's almost four years old, and his name is Nathaniel. Four months old, yeah? Yes. Okay, perfect. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to introduce MJ, our producer. Um, MJ, will you share a little bit about what our virtual panelist program is? Yes. Um, well, our virtual panelist program has become quite awesome, I think, because of our listeners and um, everyone online is just being really helpful to the others that are uh, commenting online. It's kind of like a little sneak preview of our show before it releases, because um, just like our in-studio panelists here... Um, our virtual panelists are making time to be online. They're sharing their experiences. Um, they're reading others' comments and questions and actually engaging with them with support 
tips, advice, and, you know, just empathy. It's, you know, sometimes we just need to know we're not alone. So it's just an extension of our show um, and what we are here to do, which is uh, support each other. So um, if you're not local or if you just can't be in the studio, um, you can still be a part of the show, give your opinions, and um, we may even read your comment while we record. Um, So... Just check out theboobgroup.com under the community tab for more info on our VP program and possible perks for participation. Awesome. Thanks, MJ. Mm -hmm. (coughs) Sound familiar? (coughs) If your baby is going through another bout of bad diaper rash, then you need to give Dr. Mom Butt Balm a try. It was created by a mom who's also a doctor. When my kids were little... I remember using this thick, goopy cream to help soothe their sensitive skin. Ugh, it was so difficult to wipe off. Not with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. You only need a small amount, and it's really easy to apply and remove. It's also free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, so it's gentle on your baby's delicate skin. Help your baby feel better and get relief from irritating diaper rash with Dr. Mom Butt Balm. Look for it on Amazon and Walmart.com. Before we get started with today's show, here's a breastfeeding oops from one of our listeners. Hi, my name is Erin, and I have a nine-month-old little boy, and this is my boob oops Um, we recently went to the San Diego Zoo for my company picnic, and I had only once before breastfed in public, and that in itself was an adventure. So um, today, that day, I didn't anticipate breastfeeding at the zoo. However, my son became very fidgety and desperately wanted the comfort. So we found what at the time was a very secluded part of the zoo and we sat down in a couple of the benches and of course I never use a cover at home because I'm just breastfeeding at home so my son does not like a cover and at the age of nine months he's well strong enough to get rid of that cover so I'm breastfeeding I've got the cover I'm fighting with him in the cover and all of a sudden I realize that three tour buses have pulled up not 20 feet away from me and everybody is exiting and coming to look at the exhibit that I'm sitting in front of. (laughs) So, of course, I'm trying to look very calm and not part of the exhibit. (laughs) Um, But my son, he's pulling and pulling and I realize that this just isn't going to work. And then to my horror, (laughs) I turn to my left and two of my male colleagues have seated themselves (laughs) at the picnic table next to us and are trying to nonchalantly look away. But it's very obvious that they've seen me and I was just mortified and my husband came over and he tried to cover me up and yeah, that's. I just turned around and said, oh, hi, guys, as if nothing had happened. But that was my boob oops at the San Diego Zoo. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So today on the Boob Group, we're discussing exclusive breastfeeding after early supplementation. Our expert, Elizabeth Myler, is a registered nurse and international board-certified lactation consultant with Mahala Lactation and Perinatal Services in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Thanks for joining us, Beth, and welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Hi, Mom. Hello. Hi. I love this forum. I think it's terrific. Oh, thank you. Uh, so, Beth, in the early days of baby's life, what are some of the common reasons why supplementation would be recommended? Well, I think, Robin, the first distinction that I just want to point out, you did mention my background as a nurse, is the difference between sort of necessary and unnecessary supplementation. So I think we need to just get out there right up front that there are some babies and mothers for whom supplementation is life-saving and very necessary. Um, But here in the U.S. and in many other industrialized countries in the world, the vast majority of term infants Um, who are exclusively breastfed don't need supplementation, and we're not doing so great with with that. So about 24% of babies um, here in the U.S. are supplemented in the first two days of life. Um, And our goal in the U.S. is to get that down to 14%. Um, But we, we do need to tease out the difference between the infant reasons and the mother reasons. So for babies, um, the necessary reasons uh, for babies would be hypoglycemia, uh, jaundice or hyperbilirubinemia, um, significant dehydration, weight loss greater than 10%. Um, there are some rare inborn errors of metabolism um, which uh, prevent babies from uh, being able to uh, be exclusively human milk fed. Um, and then there's some congenital malformations um, or other illnesses. Um, that's the baby side. And then the mommy side, we could have a mother who's extremely ill postpartum, extreme blood loss. Um, a mother whose milk just doesn't come in um, in the expected time, and we call that uh, delayed lactogenesis. That's the fancy term. Um, and we believe in the U.S. that actually one in three mothers are experiencing delayed lactogenesis, so this is really common in the U.S. Um, a mother who's had prior breast or chest surgery or a mother who's on certain medications, there are very few. Mostly they're chemotherapeutic, so a mother who's um, in chemotherapy. Um, or a mother who clinically has um, not enough glandular tissue. Uh, We call that mammary hypoplasia. So um, those are the reasons in a quick nutshell. Okay. And what are a mom's options for supplementation? And what advice do you have for choosing the type of supplement to use? We have a lot of different options. And I think that... um, you know, one of the most important things is that um, we kind of tease out the, the content. So what are we going to use, the amount that we're going to give, and then the method that it's given. I know we're going to talk about some of those things, but we're lucky to have some great guidelines from the Academy of Pediatrics um, and also from the Surgeon General's call to action on breastfeeding from UNICEF. 
um, and also the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. And they've kind of developed a hierarchy for best choices of supplementation. And this is really based on the research for what protects human babies and mothers the most. All right, so there's a list of five. So our first choice for supplementation is going to be mother's own milk. Um, our second choice is going to be pasteurized donor human milk. And this can be really hard to find um, in many cases. And that's a complicated topic. I know you guys have had other um, people come in and talk about donor human <laughs> milk, right? Absolutely. Okay. Our third choice is going to be our hypoallergenic or the hydrolyzed protein formulas. Fourth choice is going to be the elemental or amino acid-based formulas. And our final and last choice is going to be the standard cow's milk-based formula. And unfortunately, in the, here in the U.S. And, uh, and really globally, that's usually the first go-to um, that babies uh, are offered. The amount of supplementation is probably as important, if not more important, than what is being used. Um, and we've got some really great new research about how um, overfeeding in the first eight days of life is linked to obesity later in life. So um, Stetler did some really great research on this. Um, and it's something that I don't think we think about very often, you know, that we could do something in these early days of a baby's life that could have um, such, such a huge impact on them as an adult. Is there a good resource for where, what numbers we should be using for how much a baby should be supplemented based on their age? There are several resource, resources, and I know that you had, um, I think you're going to put a link to uh, Kelly Mom. Um, I don't know if you have the link to the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine. Um, they have protocol number three, which is all about supplementation in the early days. Yep. Um, and I think, um, you know, it, what, what moms really do need to know is that what a baby needs on day one is not the same as what a baby needs on day uh, three, four, five, and, and so on. So um, these are critically, you know, important um, differences that, that moms are not often explained. Okay, and we'll definitely link to those on our, on our website. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, so ladies, I'd love to open this up to our panel. So what, what were the reasons that you had to supplement your baby in the beginning? Um, Cindy? Um, well, I had to have a C-section, and during my C-section, I lost a lot of blood and had to have, um, like, large amounts of blood transfused. Um, so it definitely impacted my um, milk supply and just the fact that I was separated from him for so long. Um, and so... I mean, he was given a bottle before I even came out of recovery. So um, I definitely think that was the major factor in my low milk supply. Absolutely. And that really emergency C-section in particular is one of the biggest risk, risk factors for supplementation. Um, and then with your hemorrhage, you've got two of the biggest. <laughs> Absolutely. Sarah, how about you? So I have kind of a double whammy. So Violet was tongue-tied, and so um, that kind of made my low milk supply. And then I kind of have a little bit of an interesting, I have congenital breast asymmetry, so I have a breast implant on one side. So milk never really came in fully on one of my breasts, and it just so happened that Violet really preferred the breast <laughs> that where one. the milk didn't come in so much. And when I saw my original lactation consultant, as I should in the hospital, she said, oh, don't worry about it. It's fine. Your milk's coming in. Don't worry. She can have that one. And unfortunately, it didn't work that way. And she had lost an entire pound when we came in for our, our first weight check. Oh, wow. That's, that's yeah. scary. She had lost something like nearly 15% of oh. her 
And I had a C-section as well, but it was planned because she was breech. Okay. How about you, Kara? Um, well, we had a home birth. And so when we took him for his first three-day appointment, he was fine. And then about a week later, he had another checkup, and he had lost more weight than they would have liked, and he wasn't gaining weight back as quickly enough. So um, the doctor asked us to start supplementing. So we did, and we later found out that he had a tongue tie, which we've had to have revised, and an upper lip tie as well. So we're continuing with the supplement, but hope to quit soon. Awesome. Um, Beth, what what are the different ways that a mom can supplement her baby? So we have three moms in here who had to supplement all from the beginning. Um, and so is, is one method preferred over another? Well, um, we have uh, lots of different choices here. And I think that the key to making a good choice for an individual mom depends on the age of the baby and the capability of the baby and the ease of use for the mother. Um, I think that for many mothers, a combination of, that, of methods is truly what works best to help them um, reach their ultimate goals. So, you know, bottles are usually the most common because they're the most easily available. And here in the U.S., um, cleaning them is generally not, not a problem. Um, but we have syringes, spoons, um, finger feeding methods, and even at-breast supplementation. Um, and this, you know, at-breast supplementation is usually for the, the longer-term supplementation needs um, with larger volumes. Um, what I was really interesting just hearing the, the, the different stories there because um, in all the research that I've done on this too, the, the delay in first breastfeeding and maternal infant separation for any reason um, is probably the biggest risk factor um, for ultimate supplementation. But then you guys also all had um, these, these various other problems that, I mean, you guys were really hit with. <laughs> you <laughs> sound like you came into this very well educated and yet still had so many different challenges to deal with. So I really sympathize with that. <laughs> we have some amazing panelists on our show. It's, a, it's truly wonderful. Yeah. Dedicated mamas. Right. Um, Beth, f- for, for a mom who decides to supplement at breast or finger feed, where can she get the supplies from? There are a lot of different companies um, that make these devices. Um, They're relatively easy to find now with just a simple search on Google or Amazon. Uh, The smaller volume devices, so if you're, you know, dealing with a really early newborn that um, only needs, you know, half an ounce to maybe an ounce and a half or two ounces, um, that device is going to be anywhere from like 20 to 40 bucks. And the larger ones are probably closer to $60. Um, again, if you're going to use an at-breast supplementation device, um, you know, the baby really does need to be able to latch. Um, with finger feeding, you know, they don't have to. Um, but I would say that the cheapest device um, is a neonatal um, feeding tube. We, can, we also use this device to catheterize babies. Um, it's, it's, it can be used as a, a nasogastric tube. It's called a 5-French and the abbreviation is FR um, slash CH. And these retail for like one to two bucks a piece. Um, they can be inserted into a bottle or attached to a syringe um, or, again, just used on the finger to finger feed. Um, and I can give you, uh, you know, later on some, some websites where you can find these at that one to two dollars a piece price range. I like to use those a lot in my practice because they're, they're just, they're cheap and it's something that you can try without this, you know, large economic, um, commitment. Sure. And a lot of pediatricians offices I know in San Diego will have those as well as lactation consultants definitely have them. So if you're working with a lactation consultant, that would be something that, that she should 
be able to provide as well. Absolutely. For the mom who decides that bottle feeding is is easier for her for offering the supplement, is there a way that she or a family member can do this in a breastfeeding friendly manner so that way breastfeeding can also be continued to be worked on as well? Definitely. I think um, the first thing is to really be tuned in um, to developing a trusting feeding relationship with your baby. Um, Babies have to learn how to coordinate sucking, swallowing, and breathing, and they have to do this seamlessly, and it's not always easy for all babies. So the first thing that I want to say about bottle feeding is that learning to do a paste bottle feeding technique can make all the difference in the world. Um, And this is a technique in which the bottle is delivered with a slow-flow nipple um, using frequent pauses, you know, in between swallowing. And um, there is a technique for holding the bottle um, in more of a horizontal manner than a vertical manner so that the baby really has a lot more control about the volume that he or she receives with each uh, suck. Um, and I think of sort of five steps to that, um, to, to delivering that bottle. And I don't know if we have time to go into those five steps real quick. But Yeah, go for it. Um, I'm happy to. So the first thing that we want to do is we want to wait until the baby opens wide like a yawn. Um, and one of the best ways to stimulate that baby to open is to just place the nipple um, right underneath the nose um, above the upper lip. Um, and then you want to allow the baby to accept the bottle into their mouth. You don't want to just poke it in and ram it in. And then you want to um, lay the nipple tip onto the tongue. So we want to make sure that that tongue will cover the bottom portion of the gum, if possible. And for those babies of of tongue-tied, those mothers of tongue-tied babies, um, you guys may have noticed really early on that your baby's ability to, you know, extend their tongue and lift their tongue um, and just move their tongue was, was really compromised from the beginning. Um, but next we want to latch the baby deeply onto the base of that, uh, bottle nipple. So the mouth stays open, um, as, as widely as possible. And that's, you know, called the gape. Um, and then we want to pace that feeding, like I said before, by giving the baby frequent pauses in between their swallows. Thank you. That's such, such great tips for offering the bottle. Well, um, really, really appreciate you going into that. Um, ladies, I would love to ask you as well, how, how did you supplement in the beginning? Did, and how did you come to choose that method? Cindy? Um, in the hospital, they initially gave us bottles, um, but then I wanted to really work on breastfeeding and the latching, so they gave us a supplemental nursing system, um, and we used that at home as well, but it just became, we were supplementing so much that we did go back to the bottles, okay. and then he was able, luckily he was able to go back and forth pretty easily. Bef- so. Between breastfeeding and bottle feeding? Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I find in my practice that's really very common for moms to use multiple devices. It, it makes it easier when you have a couple different options, so that way it, it, there's not a stress that one absolutely has to work. And we definitely used, I think, all of the methods that you mentioned. Um, we started out at breast, mm-hmm. um, because I remember going into the lactation consultant when they weighed her and crying hysterically. Oh. And they were like, well, it's okay. And so they gave me the the Frenching thing, and we did it at breast. And then uh, me and my husband at all hours would finger feed her because she had a really hard time with with the at-breast device. Even though she was nursing, she wouldn't – we couldn't really thread it into her little mouth. Yeah. So we did a lot of finger feeding, and then – we did that exclusively for the first three weeks. And then when my husband went back to work, I said, I can't really finger feed because it would take a good hour to kind of get everything going. I was like, I can't do this in the middle of the night. So we slowly transitioned in the bottles. 
Yeah, that's not sustainable. Yeah, tough, tough. How about you, Kara? How how did you end up supplementing your son? We began with a bottle before we even saw you for a lactation consultant. And then um, after the visit with the lactation consultant, we did the at-breast supplementation. But um, as you know, it takes a long time, and sometimes it gets frustrating. Uh, so we just ended up switching back to the bottle, and we do the paste feeding. Um, so that's kind of what, how we're doing it now. After I breastfeed, then we'll do the bottle. Okay, perfect. And MJ, did one of our virtual panelists want to share anything? Yes. Um, Pippa Hartridge says that she did cup feeding with formula and whatever uh, breast milk that she could express. Uh, she chose cup feeding as the least likely to be confusing for the baby. Um, and the fact that it was super cute was an added bonus. <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's amazing yeah. how they can lap it up, you know. It, that's if they can, like, move their tongue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> you know, if they can move their tongue, totally. <laughs> All right. Well, when we come back, we will discuss with Beth the ways that a breastfeeding mother can protect her milk supply while supplementing and how to know when she can actually stop supplementing. So we'll be right back. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting? Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Well, welcome back to the show. We are here with Elizabeth Myler, and we are talking about exclusive breastfeeding after early supplementation. So, Beth, are all slow-flow nipples, bottle nipples the same? No, Robin, they are not the same. And I think that all of the moms probably would agree that buying a bottle today is like a dizzying experience. You walk into your baby's <laughs> or your Target, and there's like 12 new ones on the shelf every day. And they all say that they are perfect for the breastfed baby. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, the, the first thing to think about is that choosing a bottle really depends on the baby's capability. Um, but there are two main features that I'm going to be looking for in a bottle. And number one is that it, you know, it at least does need to say that it's slow flow, zero to newborn. Um, and number two is that it has a gradually widening um, from gradual widening from the, the length of the nipple tip um, out to the base of the bottle. And that is, again, to preserve the baby's gape, the baby's ability to open wide. I really, really love Amy Peterson and Mindy Harmon's book, Balancing Breast and Bottle. Um, they did some really great research on lots of different types of bottles, and especially the ones that said that they were slow flow. Um, and they, they measured, you know, drips per second at different angles, and they also kind of debunked the, you can't just hold it upside down and watch the drips come out. I mean, a lot depends on, you know, the baby and how they um, latch and attach and their suction strength um, and all of those things. But I really, really find her book to be very helpful, both for lactation consultants and for moms. Absolutely. And so while a mom is offering supplementation, how can she protect her milk supply to make sure that it continues to increase the way that it needs to? For most moms who are going to be supplementing, um, you know, longer than a couple of days, pumping um, with sufficient frequency and effectiveness is going to be a really, really important part um, of what she needs to do. Um, but we do know that if she can combine pumping with uh, hands-on massage and hand expression, 
um, we really, uh, Jane Morton showed that this, this really can increase her milk supply and even increase the fat content of her milk um, because hand expression um, allows her to um, really access the, the higher up uh, ducts um, where some of the fat can, can collect. Um, so that's pretty cool. But I also believe in relaxation techniques and other techniques that can stimulate a mother's milk ejection reflex, and that can be different for each mom. Um, and skin-to-skin contact with her baby is almost always um, a key part of the plan for keeping her milk supply strong. Um, when we need to um, and when this is appropriate, galactagogues or um, substances that um, that increase mom's milk supply, they can be culinary, like foods, um, they can be herbal, um, like plants, um, or they can even be prescription medications. Um, can be all be used safely um, with good results if we're being careful to target a mother's specific um, milk supply difficulties. And you know, working with an IBCLC um, board certified lactation consultant who's experienced and knowledgeable about th- these things um, can really go a long way to, to helping moms. Definitely. And and while she's pumping, do you recommend a certain type of pump and and how often she should be pumping? For me, usually um, the pump is going to mean a hospital-grade pump. So when I say pumping with sufficient frequency and effectiveness, um, you really need a workhorse. You know, it, you know, if you're doing the car analogy, you know, a Pinto is probably not, you know, a, a Pinto that's 20 years old, you know, might not really get you where you need to go, um, and, and you must just might need a Cadillac. Um, you need a pump that is really designed to um, be used. 10 to 12 times a day, you know, um, long term. And and that's what a hospital grade pump um, is is supposed to do. Um, But we also really want to be sure that the mom is fitted properly for correct pump parts. So the flange sides needs to be right. We want to make sure that her tubes are clean and and new um, and, uh, you know, that that every other aspect of her pump is working well. There are some cases in which a mother, um, this is a baby-driven problem that the diet is having. And in those cases, sometimes a mom has a really strong milk supply, and she can get by with using a new um, double electric, um, just consumer grade pump. Um, but we do want to look at that and make sure that the pumping pressure is in the desired range. Okay. Ladies, did you pump while supplementing and, and how often were you doing this? Oh, yes. <laughs> tell, uh, tell us about it, Sarah. <laughs> I pumped every single time I breastfed. Mm-hmm. And so it was, I think we tracked it, it was 12 times a day including the middle of the night and my lactation consultant said Sarah you do not have the odds in your favor so if you want to do this you're going to have to be really committed Um, and so I would get up and I would pump for 20 minutes at two in the morning um, when everyone else was sleeping and I did that until... Including the baby, right? Yeah, everyone was sleeping but me. But, I mean, I got some fun Facebook time and (laughs) got some alone time, which was nice. But we pumped a lot. uh, How long did you do that for? (sighs) Over a month. Wow. So it was was a big commitment. And I remember going to the lactation consultant. She said, you've reached a point now where I think we can drop the middle of the night pumping. And I was like... Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> For your sanity, right? Wow. Absolutely. How about you, Cindy? How how long um, did you pump while supplementing and for how, how often, how long? Um, yes, we definitely... 
pumped um, because he was also tongue-tied as well. And so we had other issues, and, I mean, we just did major pumping. I didn't pump that much. I punched, pumped probably like four to eight times a day in addition to breastfeeding like eight to ten times a day. And um, I gave myself a break at night. I was like, Good. I didn't do it at night. Um, and that was probably for about two and a half months, um, a long time. So, yeah. How about you, Kara? Well, I personally hate pumping. <laughs> I, I hate pumping, too, now. <laughs> so um, the most I probably did was about three or four times a day. Um, now I'm down to about two times a day. So we're still going, but I just like, I don't like it. Yeah, you're, you're ready to get <laughs> <Yes>. rid of it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. We tend to call this like the hamster wheel, and you exactly. just feel like you're never going to get off it. You know, <laughs> you're just constantly, constantly going. And, and, and as the guide of the hamster wheel, we're hoping more than anything that you get to stop as soon as possible, too. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it, it's not something we like to recommend, for sure. Just cause we, want, we want you to spend time with your baby. So um, good for you for keeping it up for so long. Um, Beth, how, how would a mom know that she can actually start weaning from supplementation and pumping? So it depends. If she's exclusively pumping, let's say she's not doing much breastfeeding at all, um, it's going to be easier for her to figure out, you know, what her true milk supply is and how much she's making. Um, the desired goal is going to be about 750 to 800 um, milliliters a day. So that's, that's about 25 to 27 ounces. Um, and sometimes a little bit, yeah, a little bit more as the baby gets, you know, older than um, a few months old. But if a mother's partially breastfeeding, it can be really challenging for her to gauge how much milk she's actually producing on a daily basis um, and how much milk the baby's getting from her. So um, again, working with an experienced IBCLC is really advised because we got we have to know how well the baby can actually remove this milk that the mother is is actually making. So I like to recommend that moms start by really carefully tracking how much supplement they're giving. Um, and then in a, in a general rule um, that I, I think is pretty um, conservative and pretty appropriate is that she try and reduce that supplement by only about an ounce per day total, um, not per feed, but an ounce per day for, for several days um, and go about, it, uh, go about it that way. She can monitor diapers, but, but you need to keep in mind that diapers are really only relevant if a baby is under a month because many baby, you know, breastfed babies um, and, and formula-fed babies too, they're going to space out bowel movements and we really can't rely on that anymore. So weight checks at least once a week while a mom is decreasing supplementation I think is really, really key to their success and to keeping them on, on track. And stopping by support groups, too. I know most of the support groups, or I think all of them in San Diego, except I don't know if La Leche League meetings have have scales, but all, all the hospital-based no, ones they, they and really stuff. they really don't. No. Yeah, but those hospital-based ones and private practice ones, uh, lactation consultant ones, typically have a, a scale so you can actually see what the transfer looks like from baby from breast. So that can be really yeah, helpful, absolutely. too. So you had mentioned kind of t- tapering off at the one ounce per day for a couple of days to that, that start that weaning process. What other tips do you have for weaning off the supplementation and getting back to exclusively <laughs> breastfeeding? So again, it really depends on the individual problems that this mother baby is is having. So I think, um, I guess I can start with, so for babies who are really kind of refusing to feed at the breast, either sometimes or even all of the time, um, and, and mom is really trying to, you know, let's say she's she's gotten her milk supply where it needs to be, but she's really trying to work on getting that baby to breast more often. 
skin-to-skin contact with her baby is the answer to so many of these uh, difficulties. I think, um, you know, I tend to call it the baby reboot button. (laughs) Um, You know, just spending as much time as you possibly can um, just with baby in the kitchen, you know, on your chest um, against you is really, really key. Um, The next thing I think is to really be aware of the infant's arousal states and their hunger cues. So um, keeping baby with you, wearing the baby, catching baby right when they're starting to wake up and possibly, you know, doing more frequent smaller feeds. Um, really, this, this can do a lot for a milk supply and also to really just get a baby back um, completely to breast. Um, for a baby who's, who's been tongue-tied and really is just transitioning to being able to remove milk well, um, there are other tools and tricks of the trade. Again, I really advise you to work with an experienced um, and recommended IBCLC, but sometimes nipple shields and other tools that um, can help draw out um, a nipple are good transitional tools for a baby who's still bottle feeding and just needs more encouragement um, to do more feedings at the breast. Um, but, but positioning is important too. So, you know, when baby comes to breast, having that baby um, lead and um, often the laid-back breastfeeding position um, can, can help babies and mothers get back to, to doing more breastfeeding um, and, and less bottle feeding. So sometimes I advise that moms actually bottle feed the baby in uh, a laid-back breastfeeding position um, and, and do sort of a bait-and-switch. Um, but again, the, the milk needs to be there as well. Sure. Ladies, how, how long did you need to supplement for? Are you still supplementing or were you able to wean off of it? And how did you know when to do that? Kara, how about you? Um, well, we are still supplementing and we are working with E-Robin. Um, we're slowly weaning down to what, one ounce every other feeding. So it's, it's getting there. It's just hard work. Absolutely. How about you, Sarah? So we were really fortunate, and um, we were able to stop supplementing. So I don't. She has been um, exclusively breastfed um, for nearly four months now. Um, so we were able to wean her off supplementing at about eight weeks and before then we were kind of my husband made this really intense chart of like how much the baby was getting of donor milk and how much I was producing Um, I've seen the excel chart oh yeah it was very very intense and so I remember the day kind of the lines crossed and she was getting more of my milk than of the donor milk and then eventually we got to a point where she was getting all of my milk and so at that point the lactation consultant said I know this is going to be really 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 scary but I want you to cut down on pumping and I want you to just put her on the breast and keep weighing her and you know at that point we'd been doing weigh-in so we knew that things were in upward motion and so it was a very scary but very uh, happy day. (laughs) How about you Cindy? Um, We supplemented for about two to two and a half months Um, We also kept very detailed data on my app, on my phone, (laughs) and um, so I would keep track of how much he took, how much formula he took, and then how much um, express breast milk he would take um, from all of the pumping. And I remember the first day, like I went to Robin's support group, and I was like, yesterday he only had one ounce of formula. All of the other, you know, supplementation was the express breast milk. And she was like, well, tomorrow don't pump and just put him on the breast, and he did it, and that was the end of our formula so 
It took us a long time, but we got there. And so, it was super dedicated. And that was like five months ago. Wow. That's awesome. Beth, you know, Sarah brought up a really good point that emotionally a mom might feel really scared to trust that her baby is able to get enough just from her. So any tips for how she can begin to trust her body and her ability to exclusively breastfeed? Well, absolutely. And I think that your panelists really, you know, hit hit the nail on the head for this one. And I think frequent check-ins, you know, with her breastfeeding helpers um, are going to just be, you know, often the the absolute best thing to do. So um, I think most moms, the last thing we we want is for her to become disappointed in her abilities, you know, by, you know, showing up at that weight check that maybe was spaced out a little too far um, and, and, feeling like she's she's been derailed again um so really just everything that that they've all said about just these gradual transitions um are are really really key to keeping things to keeping things strong and and being patient you know and knowing that this can take a long time and although days can sometimes feel like years um in the grand scheme you know that this this baby time really does pass very very quickly and so you have to really celebrate your small victories and um like the moms said you know when you realize that, you know, you've been able to cut out a supplement. I mean, that's, you need to go, you know, have a, have a latte, go call your best friend, go, you know, celebrate these, these small victories because they're really not small at all. They're huge and they take a lot of commitment. Um, and, uh, you, you just, uh, you're, you're, you're on your way and you have to just believe that, that, that which with each day, um, of that effort and, Staying, staying close to your baby and keeping that baby fed, um, you know, most, most moms will, will be able to get there. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Beth, and to our panelists for sharing this incredible information about getting back to breastfeeding after early supplementation. We really appreciate your time. Oh, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Sure. And uh, for our Boob Group Club members, our conversation will continue after the end of this show as Beth will discuss tips for when a baby's pediatrician is recommending a little bit too, su- too, a little too much supplementation. For more information about our Boob Group Club, please visit our website at theboobgroup.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Here's a comment from one of our listeners. This is from Dana Schmidt, and she left this on our Facebook page. I just listened to and shared episode 16, Tight Frenula and Breastfeeding. As an international board-certified lactation consultant and mother of two children who had tongue ties, I can appreciate the mother's stories and experiences with breastfeeding a tongue-tied baby. I also really enjoyed Dr. Ochi's discussion of posterior tongue tie, as well as phrenotomy and aftercare, especially the acupuncture, which I never knew about. Thank you so much for your episode. 
That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to The Boob Group. Don't forget to check out our sister show, Preggy Pals, for expecting parents, our show, Parent Savers, for moms and dads with newborns, infants, and toddlers, and our brand new show, Twin Talks, for parents of multiples. Thanks for listening to The Boob Group, your judgment-free breastfeeding resource. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of New Mommy Media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.